This is episode 139 of the Landscape Photography Show, and before we get into our episode today, I just want to say thank you to the sponsor of the show, that's Nature Photographers Network. Right now, you can go to naturephotographers.network and sign up for a yearly membership for just $49. Now, that may seem pricey for a membership style, but remember, 49 divided by 12 is $4 a month, and if you take it a step further, 49 divided by 365 is 13 cents per day. And I don't know, I'm spending like $6 on a cup of coffee now, so I think 13 cents a day is pretty reasonable. So what do you get with that? You get critiques from some of the best photographers on the entire planet. A lot of those photographers have been on this show teaching you about how you can improve your photography and their journey. They are waiting for you to submit your critiques so that they can give you feedback right now. You get exclusive articles, exclusive live presentations, and not to mention a community of like-minded photographers that are seeking to help you improve and rising together. So again, that's naturephotographers.network. Sign up for a yearly membership for $49. And because you're listening to the podcast, go ahead and use the code LPS10 for 10% off of that yearly membership. In today's podcast, we're talking with legendary photographer Mads Peter Iverson, joining us all the way from Denmark. And what I wanted to talk to Mads about specifically was composition, because I consider him one of the masters of composition right now. Because he's not only photographing amazing locations like in Iceland and other areas around the world that people love to go to, but he's also doing so locally in Denmark, where he lives, which isn't technically like photographers aren't flocking to Denmark to go and find the landscapes there. He's doing a beautiful job showcasing his home country and doing so in a way where you would think it would be like the most epic place you could ever go. So I wanted to bring Mads on and talk to him specifically about this topic. And I know you're going to get a lot out of this because not only is he sharing his composition techniques, what conditions to look for, but he's also sharing how to find these locations locally so that you can do the same thing. Hey, what's up, guys? We are here with Matt Peter Iverson. Matt's joining us from Denmark today and really appreciative that we want to talk a little bit about composition today. Uh, we're going to get into how the Denmark landscape looks different and how you compose it a little bit differently and how it's unique to other landscapes too. But Mads, first, I kind of wanted to give you the opportunity, if anybody is unfamiliar with you, uh, share who you are and and maybe a little bit about how you got started in landscape photography. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, Yeah, I'm S. Peter Iverson. I'm a Danish uh, fine art-ish landscape photographer. And I've been doing landscape photography f- for seven years-ish, it must be by now. And I started out mainly portrait photography, commercial photography, and all that stuff. And um, I actually got into photography through videography, which I started out with. So that was like basically taking it all backwards there. But uh, yeah, videography, photography, portrait, commercial stuff, landscape photography. And then I've been doing that full-time since more or less 2016. Interesting. And like, how can you relate the videography part of it to landscape photography in terms of composition? Like what are the similarities there for using video versus stills? 
Well, a big part of the similarities is, of course, using light and, and darkness. So when you do videography, you obviously want to have your subject, let's say me talking to the camera or something like that, placed in a way where people actually see me and not like in, in the shadows. So you want to have me maybe in the foreground on a bright background so I stand out. And that's the same thing with photography, landscape photography. And you, that you want to have your subjects either lit or whatever to stand out on the on the background. That's one of them. You obviously don't want to have, when it comes to videography, have your subjects or whatever is in, in your video uh, too close to the edges of the frame, uh, unless it's for some very specific reason. And generally just like even follow the more basic rules with videography, composition in videography, rather than, than you do in photography, because videography is also like, you also have the moving picture. So in that way, it can, complex compositions can very fast be very messy if you don't, um, yeah, if you if you keep it too complex with the composition. So I think that's that's where it starts to differ. I know right before we went live, we were both talking about YouTube and how photographers can use YouTube. Since you started with videography and understood the compositional uh, aspects of using video, do you think YouTube was kind of a natural progression for you to to jump over and start sharing videos of, about your photography on that platform? Um, yeah, well, I think the, 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 the natural part for me on sharing videos on YouTube uh, was that I'm educated school teacher. So for me, I very fast figured out that how I shared videos on YouTube was making landscape photography guides first to Iceland and then the Faroe Islands and the US. But it was such a niche audience for that, that it made more sense for me to go into the educational part, mainly because I'm, I've done it for like 20 years, not so much in primary school, but as a gymnastics uh, coach. And in that way, I find that the educational parts came very easily for me. And then I can, of course, combine it with going to the places I want to go and take the photos I want to take and then teach that and teach those thoughts. So it was more the educational part than the composition part that made me go into YouTube. Let me ask you this uh, about composition. I know I I don't want to stick with just the basis of basics of composition in this interview. Mm -hmm. I want to go beyond that and really get into how people can improve their composition. I know you have a lot of videos on that on your YouTube and plus a couple ebooks on your website. Um, what do you consider the basics though? The basics for me is to have like either one or two subjects and they have to be maybe three. They have to be very clear in the photo. Um, so use slide and dark as I just talked about, make sure that it stands out and there's no doubt about what you're supposed to look at in the photo. So have that subject or focal point. The next thing is to have some kind of visual flow in the photo. The most obvious is, of course, leading lines um, so that the viewer can follow those lines either towards something, the subject, or through the photo. So yeah, that, that, that those would probably be my very most basic. I honestly don't really consider the rule of thirds basic because I think it's a little bit annoying. Um, Balance is a compositional tool 
that you can use. And I think that for the most part, when we try to up the aesthetic quality of a photo, you always have to have your photo in balance, unless, again, for a very specific reason. Um, so, so balance is something you can use, but you should probably always use it <laughs> if you want to up the aesthetics. <laughs> well, why do you consider the rule of thirds annoying? Uh, the problem is, uh, in my experience, that when you learn the rule of thirds, you basically just force every composition into the rule of thirds. And you can very easily uh, forget about balance. So if you have a fairly clean scene and you put your subject in one of those intersection points in the rule of thirds grid, then there's a tendency that that photo is being thrown out of balance. And for me, that is annoying. Some people don't have a problem with it, but I think it's annoying. And also all your compositions basically get to look the same. And <laughs> that's not a whole lot of creativity in that. In terms of balance, like, do you see people having a tendency to overcomplicate that and other compositional basics? Mm, I'm, I would more say that once you've got it, you've got it. So it's more like you move to, it's a little bit like learning to, to ride a bicycle. When you have balance nails, then you don't really forget it. And I don't th really think you can in that way overcomplicate it. Um, the easiest way I've found to, to explain it is that you want to have an equal amount of uh, visual interest on either side of the middle of the photo, no matter if you're shooting horizontal or vertical. Uh, so if you have like your subject on the left side of your photo, you need to have something to balance that out on the right side of the photo. And that is the easiest way to say it. And you have to think about it as visual balance. It's not like physical balance. Um, but you also want to make sure that there's no doubt about what your subject is. And that is where more, more of those compositional tools come in. Once you grasp like the basics of composition um, and you move on to those a little bit more advanced topics. Number one, they're, they're a lot more fun. Um, <laughs> and, and number two, like how do you as somebody with um, a past in teaching and, and has training in that, how do you teach people how to use those advanced topics and, and kind of use basically the, the basics is that building block to the advanced topics? keep it simple <laughs> in, in every way. Just keep it simple. You can very, very fast make uh, a new subject for people very, very complicated. So for me, it's, it's about keeping it simple one thing at a time, and then we can build slowly on that. Um, I'm very much into thinking progression. So we start out with the simple stuff, and then we advance and build on top of that. And it's the same thing with composition. So let's say as an example, let's talk about leading lines. Then we stick to talking about leading lines. It doesn't have to be like, you know, a straight line. It can be S-curves and it can be patterns and so forth. So in that way, I build on top of that within that subject. So in that way, I try to keep it simple. I don't start to talk about balance suddenly, even though it could be relevant for the specific photo I use as an example. I don't start to talk about so much the focal point or the subject and how it stands out relative to the background. I stick to the topic for the most part. 
I think that's a really great point on especially the leading lines example of not having just a straight line point right to it because that can be a little frustrating and not being very creative with your photography all the time but even using like patterns of rocks and how they kind of dance through the frame and lead you a specific way um when did you finally understand that in, in composition uh for your photography and once you did was it kind of like this enlightening moment where you just went wild with your photography after that? Mm, no, it, I don't really remember exactly when it was because mm. I just learned so much at the same time. I think when I first got in, I remember when I got into photography and I figured out what a raw photo could do. And I really started to get on YouTube and just found all the different um, videos on YouTube that was back then and just took everything in. And then slowly over time, I also got a better understanding of composition. And then I, of course, also had something like where we, we analyzed uh, paintings, mainly sculptures and so forth in ground school. And I've always been creative in the sense that I like to paint Um and then, of course, videography came in and, you know, like keep things within the frame and <laughs> all those things. So so I would say that it has been as a progression also for me to really learn um, composition. So in that way, no, I don't remember exactly when it was. And then I just went bang. It's more like building slowly on top. And I think that's a very important point. It's not like it suddenly just clicks and then you're on. It's you slowly progress and that is how it is with most subjects in this world hey guys real quick i just want to talk about today's sponsor for the podcast and then we'll get back to my interview with mads now the sponsor for the podcast is nature photographers network you can go to naturephotographers.network and sign up for your yearly membership right now and get feedback for how you can improve your photography in this interview we're talking about composition that's one of the main critiques that comes up time and time again i'm one of the people contributing on there critiquing other people's photos along with people like eric bennett alistair ben uh so many others are on there providing feedback for you so that you can improve your photography so go ahead and head on over to naturephotographers.network and sign up for a yearly membership and hey because you're listening to the podcast use the code lps10 for 10 percent off of that 49 dollars yearly membership let's get back to my talk with mads you mentioned doing other art forms what is it about what is it about photography versus painting sculpting and other art forms that that does it for you Mm, to begin with, because my background, I, I would consider myself very much like, you know, a little bit nerdy, like fantasy, uh, computer games, all that stuff. So to begin with, I did a lot of like commercial photography where I photographed a subject, a person in the studio, and then I cut that person into the background. Like one of my big inspirations to begin with is Joel Grimes. And he had a very distinct style. He became famous for a very distinct style. And in that way, I learned both Photoshop. I learned about composition. I, I, I learned how basically to use my imagination. I made a portrait series about elves. And with that background, 
um, a little bit nerdy background. I, I just, yeah, move, moved into that. And um, I'm sorry, I forgot the question. <laughs> it was just, what does it w- w- for you about photography versus the other art forms? Ah, yes. Um, yeah, what I was trying to go to was like how it was very much like world building. So it was my creativity that came out in that way. And when it's then moved into landscape photography, then it was even more about like, you know, world building. I'm creating a landscape, not creating it, I'm photographing it. And the combination of that, and then maybe also that instant feedback of photography and coming from videography and learning photography through that, it all kind of came together. I've never like learned sitting down and painting with uh, paint and pen, pen and a pencil um, in that way. I just drawed when I was uh, was a child. So in that way, I guess, of course, photography is still a skill you need to learn, especially if you go like, whether you go in the artisan way or if you, you documentary way, or if you go in the artistic way, but at the very least, painting has never been something that I wanted to pursue. And I think that photography, very you basically could go out and take a photo. And then you had a raw file and could go in and play with the sliders and then it was something else. Um, whereas in that way, you get that instant feedback relatively fast, I guess, maybe, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it, it definitely makes total sense. And And hearing you talk about your background and, and your, what you liked in terms of artwork, it definitely speaks to like how I see your landscapes and how I see you produce compositions and then, and then even in taking it into the post-processing. And I, I think that's a great topic too, of like, how do you take what you're doing in, well, let's go here first. Let's, let's build on this in a, in a logical sequence. Um, behind Mm -hmm. your camera like you're stepping into a landscape um how do you go about composing a photo first and foremost for the most part i go to a place with often an idea about what it is i want to photograph so i always usually have a subject in mind let's say i go to iceland i know i want to photograph glacier x or i go to this specific forest in denmark i know that there's a really cool tree i want to photograph so for the most part i always have a subject in mind then i wait for the conditions that i have imagined let's say a forest i would like some morning fog because it is good to like you know create separation I want to make sure that whatever subject it is I'm photographing stands out. So if it's a tree, it's a dark subject on a brighter background because of the fog. Mm-hmm. And in that, after that, I start to like look for how can I build up this photo so I don't just take like a straight-on central composition where I place the tree right in the middle. Can I include some kind of foreground? Can I improve on the depth? Can I build up a foreground, a mid-ground, and background? Can I find a leading line, a trail, maybe some moss, some leaves that displaced whatever are fallen down in a specific pattern? In that way, I start to like building it up, but I try to also make sure that I simplify the photo at the same time. I don't want to introduce too many elements so that people just get confused and your attention flies all over um, the screen. And 
from there on, I also think about, especially in forests, about the focal length. How far can I go back and zoom in so that I get that perspective compression rather than just going close to the tree and using the wide angle and then I take up, uh, I include the canopy and get all that those holes in the top of the canopy that can be distracting. If you move a little bit further back and zoom in so that you have less of the canopy in that way you make your subject usually stand out more. So it's all those different things where I have like this, I want to shoot this, and then I try to build up the scene once I'm there. Sometimes I do have a pretty decent idea about what it is I want, uh, and then I basically just wait for the conditions. It's, it's funny to me having a podcast and getting to ask these questions a lot um, because everybody has a different approach. Like you have subject mm -hmm. in mind, Adam Gibbs has light in mind. There's mm -hmm. two very different ways of approaching a landscape, which is amazing because we have different interests and different likes and there are different ways of doing photography. Um, but one thing you mentioned was conditions. Uh, as somebody who is perpetually uh, not patient, what do you do when those conditions don't materialize? Are you, are you going to a location for several days at a time and waiting on this? No, because for the most part, I can't. Um, I look a lot at weather forecasts. Well, my forecast apps are the ones I do. Um, it's not like, you know, uh, big signs when it comes to predicting fog anymore there's so many resources on it for the most part that's what i'm after especially in denmark calm conditions i really like around lakes <clears throat> moist conditions in forests that could be with fog um obviously golden hour light blue hour light is good and then storm clouds i always like storm clouds days with storms and just generally interesting conditions. It's it's basically everything but clear blue skies uh, that I really like. And, and then sometimes, like obviously, that's also beneficial. Like if you want a specific sunrise, where you want to capture the sun behind, I don't know, a bridge or something like that. Then that is also what you want. So in, so in that way, I think you over time you you get such a broad experience with all certain all types of conditions. And if you have explored your landscapes, your local landscapes enough, then you have a pretty decent idea when what can look good. Even though you maybe have imagined that, okay, it would be nice to have this old um, uh, farm with sunset light, then maybe it would also look super cool in a snow shower. So in that way, like, you know, you, you often have multiple choices. Like we have a lot of lighthouses in Denmark. I really enjoy photographing those. And I don't know, I have a collection of like 10 or 15 different lighthouses by now. But sometimes I also go to the same lighthouse and capture it in different conditions. And obviously, if you have a cool lighthouse and you have a cool composition, that composition usually also looks cool in different kinds of lights, uh, lights and with different backgrounds, sunset, sunrise. Uh, if you have noctilus and clouds during summer, heck, even here in Denmark, we can also get the auroras. So in that way, you can have basically the same composition, which is rather cool in different conditions. 
See, that's an advantage you have in Denmark. You can only you can drive just a short distance and photograph a lighthouse. I have to drive like eight hours to get to the closest lighthouse. To me. It's <laughs> insane. It's so dumb. Yeah, Let's, I would also going... say that when it comes to to, to lighthouses specifically, Denmark is really really good. That's one of the top countries for lighthouses. That's for sure. When you finally get that shot in the field, how do you take what you've done with composition? over into post-processing and kind of continue to play on that composition in Lightroom or Photoshop? Um, I try to emphasize a little bit what the composition was about. Let's say I photographed a trail leading up to a lighthouse. Then I may darken the surroundings around that trail and then brighten the trail a little bit just not so it looks unrealistic, but just so that there's no doubt about what it is you're supposed to look at. So emphasizing the composition in that way. Maybe if a lighthouse, I photographed a white lighthouse, and even though the sky may be dark, I may darken it a little bit more to get a little bit more contrast out of it. When it comes to forest photography, uh, especially during fog, I actually usually dehaze the photo a little bit because it does make the subjects, the tree or trees, stand out more. But it's not sacrificing the fog effect in the background. So for some reason, the, the effect is a little bit hard to explain, but it's as if the dehaze slider works in the in depth so that it dehazes a little bit more what's close to you than it does in the background. I think it has something to do with how it's designed in regard to contrast, but I'm not an, a Photoshop engineer, so I don't know exactly. So in that way, I, I basically just try to emphasize the composition and, and what I was thinking on location. I have found over the years that I don't really care how heavy-handed I am with the editing, but for the most part, I don't want to move too far away from what's not necessarily reality, but what we can perceive and accept as reality with our eyes, if that makes sense. <laughs> it, it does. And I think that's a huge hack for anyone watching to understand is that Yes, you go about composing something in the field, but when you bring it over into post-processing, you continue to stick with that composition. And we look, you have so many options of how to post-process your photo. Um, it can get a little overwhelming and then you're like, well, I'm gonna pull this blur feature and I'm gonna pull, you know, light from here. And then all of a sudden your composition is is completely muddled and doesn't make sense. It, just keeping it simple, like you said, um, mm -hmm. it is the easiest way to do it. And it enhances what you've already seen in the field. And, and from your teaching experiences, is that something that that people tend to, to do over and over is overcomplicate the post-processing side when it does come to composition? Uh, again, I would say... It's hard to say because it, it's, again, it's a learning curve. I think a lot of people are, to begin with, a little bit afraid of it. And there's not really a clear direction. Many people are looking for, you know, 
this is the cheat sheet, this is what you have to do. You have to always lower the highlights, always up the shadows, always add contrast. Then you go into Photoshop, then you do this and this and this. Like they, they, they look for a, a specific roadmap that could work for all photos to begin with. But I think most people very fast learn that it's more a question about actually learning what tools, editing tools you have available so that you can use those to benefit the specific photo that you're editing. So, you know, that's also one of the reasons why I don't really do a whole lot about presets because it's like applying a specific style to a photo where you may want to do something else. I know it can be beneficial if you want to have all your photos look the same in a specific style. But for me, it, it's not really how I like to work. And totally fair if other people do that. Like I have, I'm very liberal when it comes to all these things. People can do exactly what they want with their photos. It's just not um, what I like to do. For me, the editing process is definitely a big part of my photography. But on the other hand, I can also feel that over the past years that I, I'm doing less and less editing. Like I'm not spending like eight hours on one photo anymore to get like blend 10 different photos together uh, in a time blending. Right now, I've, I've probably done it so many times that I usually go and get the right conditions beforehand instead of trying to to force something out of a... A composition um, but it's also something to do with like you know if you travel to a specific place and you have a certain photo in mind then you want to go home with that photo so you have to figure out ways to actually come away with that photo uh, so yeah whereas when i photograph mainly denmark i can just wait for the right conditions go and get it and if i don't get it the first time i probably get it the second I really hope you enjoyed this conversation because I thought it was extremely beneficial to anyone listening. You know, sometimes people talk over your head or they're such an expert that they're talking like light years ahead of where you actually are. I thought this was such a down to earth conversation on how anybody can improve their composition and go away from the basics, go to some of the more advanced techniques and then find local spots as well. This was part one of our discussion. In part two, we're gonna be going further in depth in this talk as well.